Hey, welcome back to Tunes Tunes Podcast. I'm your host, Harold. As always, you can follow us on social media. That's Tunes Tunes Podcast, T-U-N-E-S slash T-O-O-N-S. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you find your podcasts. Mr. Blake Fisher from Finding Emos in the House. What's going on, man? Not much. How are you? I'm doing well, man. Thank good, you for good. coming through. We're here spaced out as hell. We on are. This couch. We are six. Just I like that everyone does the security, the uh, COVID theater I've, now. Got, I've got to. Like my favorite thing is watching the like the NBA and the hockey playoffs yeah. when they're like they all have masks on. I'm like, you guys are in a bubble and get tested every day. Why are you wearing masks? There's no need for the mask anymore. Posterity. Yeah, it's like just to show. Like, we're being cowards and wear them while you're playing. Come everyone's on. Everyone's showing behind the scenes. So we're telling you, <laughs> behind the scenes, we are six feet apart from yes. each other, if not seven. We're, even, we're awkwardly far apart. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, finding emo, man, this has been. I've been talking to everybody about it just because this is like the podcast made for me, man. I freaking love emo music so much. And every week I'm like, oh, what episode? We're like, what song are they going to do? And this week you happen to do the album that we we're talking about. I know, it's really funny. I had planned to talk about. So we had planned, to, like a few weeks ago, you asked me about it, and then it just happened to be the one that came up on the rotation <laughs> of uh, being released this week. So it's just kind of a coincidence that I'm now talking about this. Well, we actually recorded that, I don't know, a couple weeks ago. But, right. Uh, but yeah, so it's uh, kind of coincidence, but it's a, it's a great record. I was like cracking up. I was like, man, that's so funny. It just happened to be around this time, but... Uh, yeah, man, commit this to memory. I'm a big Motion City soundtrack fan. Um, Me too. When that came out, I was just like, I don't know. It, it was one of those things which I'm. It's just funny to have you on. Like after you guys just did that episode, which you recorded several weeks ago. But I'm like, damn, he just he just had to talk about this. No, but I'll talk about it some more. <laughs> I, and in fact, I've I I kind of went on a Motion City soundtrack deep dive after that, and it just kind of felt like like redid all the records. I mean, I listened to all those records a lot anyway. Right. But I I gave like. Uh, my dinosaur life, another chance. I hadn't really. That was my least favorite of theirs, and it's better in hindsight than I I remembered it being. So, I but I, I've learned more. So I've even got new things to talk about for Motion City. Commit this to me memory without uh, that I didn't talk about on our podcast. Oh shit! We're getting Woo. the scoop. Yeah, I was scoop. I was thinking about it because I was like gonna re-listen to it, which I was listening to some of their tracks. But then when y'all release episode, I'm like, I'll just listen to this episode and I'll be prepped. For there you it. go. That's your prep work. <laughs> and what's funny about doing a podcast is that I can't really remember what we talk about anyway, especially if there's any gap between us recording it right. and it being released. And because we're talking about 20 year old albums, there's literally no time sensitivity to when we record and release them. Uh, we're getting a little bit more like on the on the pace of like recording them pretty close to where we uh, release them. But we'll release them and then someone will be like arguing with me on Twitter about something. I'm like, I don't even remember what I said, dude. What do you, you got to refresh my memory. Right. So maybe I need to start listening to them on, on the day they come out or at least on <laughs> double speed. So I remember. I know I'll have to like, if I text you, I'll have to like do a little preface of like, this is in regards to this. Right. Episode. Yeah. On Tuesday mornings, I get a lot of texts <laughs> from friends with uh, disagreements about what my opinions were on, on, a, on an album, which is fine. I like that. Right. It's fun. <laughs> Well, we were talking about it before we started. Uh, the album came out on Epitaph. They were signed to Epitaph at the time. Uh, dropped June 7, 2005. It's their second studio album produced by Mark Hoppus. Mark Hoppus, yeah. Very cool. His first producing thing. I think that's what, it yeah, was, I think yeah. you were saying that. And then he ended up working with a lot of bands, right? Simple Plan. He worked with, um, yeah. I can't think of I feel the like, other ones he's done. I feel like he's pretty good at it. I know he's not like the engineer guy, but, you know, he's had a studio in his house for right. a freaking long time now. Right. That's how Blink does like, kind of all their stuff, it seems like. And We're going to get getting like in the house. <laughs> I feel like he could shoot, he could do it more than he does. Probably, yeah. But maybe he just, maybe it's not like the, he's got plenty of other like stuff that keeps him busy, I guess. But yeah. but, yeah, he knows his way around to 
a hit, as you guys were talking about. Uh, yeah, he's pretty good at shaping a song, <laughs> Yeah, I would say. He's done that a, a time or two. Uh, for context, I kind of pulled albums that were that came out around that time or like the same year um, just to give a look at like what was going on in music at that time, kind of like in that similar genre. Uh, February, we had Anne Berlin's T- Never Take Friendship Personal. It's just kind of a personal one I had to throw in because I love Anne Berlin. Uh, May 3rd, Fall Out Boy from Under the Cork Tree. Was that on Epitaph? Oh, no, 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 that was just, okay, sorry. It's that just, was just, okay. Yeah. It's just that what, year. I was like, what oh came my out. God. Yeah, okay. that's what came out around that time. Yeah. Uh, that was a big one. Also in May, starting line based on a true story. Man, that uh, 2005 was a good year. Weezer's Make Believe. Yep. And All American Rejects Move Along. That 2005 is a pretty good, pretty good year. So this was in good company when it came out. I feel like album. I feel like year, uh, music years tend to like group up like that. Like if, I'm trying to think if there were a bunch of great albums that came out in 2004. Right. Off the top of my head, all of my like a, I know a ton that came out in 2003. And there's a ton that came out in 2005. It's like the gap. Think, it's like there's yeah. a gap. It's like everyone's <laughs> on the same schedule. Right. Some people should get off that schedule so they can be on the off year. That's and, right. And get all the sales. From Bogarting that whole year. I know. <laughs> Bogarting. <laughs> <laughs> Heck yeah. That's a great one. Uh, 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 but, but yeah, we talk about that album. I, mean, I know you guys kind of talked about this a little bit. And so I think, and I said this on our podcast, and I've I and I read an article and I tried so hard to find it and I couldn't find it to put in our show notes, but. I read an article a while back and I totally agreed with it that they were basically saying that Motion City soundtrack really should have been the biggest emo band of the they time. They should have been huge. They should have been bigger than they were because they were um to me they kind of had all the things that check off the boxes like of but without the um but because their music is so bouncy and poppy like it doesn't um which is kind of like where Fallout Boy landed too. It was kind of like um I don't know. It just to me, it seems like it should have been very popular. It just should. I feel like more more people should have bought those records. Man, I know. Um, and they should have been the biggest band kind of in the world at the time because I just feel like they've got the perfect blend of that pop and the rock and the uh, the lyrics are not. Tr- I I'm trying to find the right right way to say this. It's like he's. He was obviously going through a lot at the time. He's going through like alcoholism and trying to kind of battle that and and they're doing this record and it's but it's not so I don't know, it was like he's singing and writing these like really deep like sad lyrics about like a real life kind of situation. It's not like he's like, "Oh, I'm partying and it's awesome." It was like he was like, "No, this kind of sucks. Like I'm kind of a bad <laughs> person." And I don't know, it, it just it was kind of like these songs about kind of growing up and getting maybe more mature and dealing with real problems, but without the the sort of, um, I don't know, just like whining about girls that tended to happen a lot a little bit in more, the early 2000s. A little bit more conscious. Yeah, you yeah. know, yeah. And then that was fine. I mean, hell, I wrote a lot of songs about girls in right. the early <laughs> 2000s. Um, but it, he did such a good job of um, just like balancing that like sort of self-deprecating, but in a fun kind of quirky, ironic way. Um, but not, I don't feel like they ever took, they took their music really seriously, but it doesn't ever feel like those guys were, um, taking like themselves really seriously or like they seemed like, and I don't know anyone. I never heard a bad thing about any of those guys. Like, I think they toured with basically everyone. I've never heard like a bad story about them. They seemed just like they were great live. They had great songs, great albums, and they should have been bigger than they were. Man, that's absolutely true. Like, I've never heard anything bad about those guys. Justin Pierre has done solo stuff that I've yeah, heard. Yeah, it's cool. Good. Like, yeah, it's like they just 
they did a great job of like really writing human lyrics. I felt like yes, he had like this very stream of consciousness like style about him. Yes, and it, that's the other thing, totally unique. Like you yeah. don't you his voice is unique. You hear it, you know who it is. I feel like you hear that band and you know who it is, and they like had a sound and they matured, but without losing what made them that band. And I just feel like that that's that was rare back then. People were either kind of like not genre jumped, but like either made pretty like big leaps normally because whatever they were doing before was kind of trendy or something. And you're kind of maybe following a trend or something. Um, and I, I don't feel like they were, I feel like most of the bands they were influenced by were like 10 years before them and stuff. Right. And so they weren't so, well, maybe not 10 years before them I and mean, get up kids and Reggie and the full effect are obviously influences on them. There's no way that that's not the case with the key with the Moog and everything on there. But um, yeah, I just, I, I think that they should have been more successful than they were because Commit This in Memory is a, um, I think on our album, I think we all agreed on our podcast that we didn't like Hangman that much. I think that's the only song that's even remotely weak on it. It's yeah. like the rest of it is like, every song's great. Oh, yeah, it's banger after banger. And the following album's the same way. It's like, I, I don't understand why, and, and My Dinosaur Life's the only one they did on a major label, so it's the only one they didn't do on Epitaph. And I don't think it was like, not successful i mean it didn't sell a million copies but i think they did fine right but yeah they should have been bigger it they was, should have been as big as any of those uh, fallout boy all american rejects that is so true and I, I when you mentioned that it made me think that it's so funny when things like this come up that i was just having the same conversation about oh this band could have been huge but it was one of these things it was also and i was looking it up it was also in 2005 it was the bravery yeah and I remember when that single "On Honest Mistake" came out, and I was just like, "Man, this is so good." But I was just talking to a friend. I was like, "Man, if they, I don't know what it was, but they could have been as big as like the Killers, and that's who they got compared to a lot." Yeah, I, but it was like one of those things of like, Ugh, "Why didn't it's they get?" Sometimes through? it's like who gets there first. Exactly. Sometimes it has nothing to do with yeah. the raw talent, and sometimes it's timing, and sometimes it's like I know the other the really weird thing, and we've. Um, the weird thing about the early 2000s, at least, like, so, you know, I was in a band at the time, and there was so much weird label stuff going on in the early 2000s, so there were a lot of bands that, like, I mean, honestly, Motion City Soundtrack should probably count themselves very lucky to be on the same label for basically that whole time, because that was not, like, when we talked about Starting Line, Starting Line was on three different labels for their three different albums. Like, that's normally what was happening back then, either due to, like, people buying up labels or mergers and things like that. There just wasn't a lot of stability and we had tons of friends that like got signed to legit labels and then that label either got bought or different management or something. And it's like, then they just get like left in the dust and then their record gets shelved. Maybe they can't even do anything again. You know, it's like, there was a lot of that that went on too. And so maybe it's just timing, but I just don't see how like, you talk about 2005. Yep. Did you say Move Along came out in 2005? Yeah. Like I think Commit This to Memory is a better album than Move Along. Move Along is a great album. I would agree But with I that. think that Commit This to Memory is better and it should have been as big. Which is crazy because the consensus was with you guys that this isn't even the best. No, I don't Motion think it's the City best. Soundtrack no, album. I don't think it's the best. I think it's probably the second best. Yeah. I, I, I like uh, Even If It Kills Me better, but not not like a ton better. Right. It's a margin, it's a hard I plot think, contest. And it's subjective too. Motion City is kind of like Jimmy World for me. It's I was really hard. 
fixing it. I was like, how long is it going to be before we before start talking we about Jimmy, Jimmy World? Yeah, it, it doesn't take I'm long. I'm the same way. Like, cause it's hard because to pick a record. Ble- because Bleed American was my entry point, it's like that is the pinnacle for yeah. me. And some people are like, oh, but Clarity or like, you know, and it, yeah. those are great albums. Like, they're all great albums. It'd be, I'd be hard pressed to I find an album em. that I didn't like. But Yeah, I can't pick them. Between those like, four in a row, Clarity, Bleed American, Futures, and Chase This Light, I really can't say that like... Um, that there's a clear winner. It kind of depends on the day. Sometimes time of year, Clarity feels more like a winter album to right. me. Bleed American more like a summer album. It's just like all over, but it's like that same thing of like because like, and I know it because it's like that's the album that I found Jimmy World that right. that's always going to have like that prime real estate in my head. I feel like that same way with this album because yeah. that was the first album by Motion City that I listened to. Me too. To. Yeah, I, we uh, we had played with them and I didn't pay any attention to it because it wasn't like it was in 2002. I mean, it was before their first record even came out that we played with them. And I didn't realize it until we saw him again. And I was like, oh, wait, like I, we've played with these guys. I remember what they look like because like he's <laughs> so hair. His hair and, <laughs> and the his key- glasses. And the guy playing keyboards is like doing handstands and right. stuff on the keyboard. And I was like, I remember that. And I, you know, and so then I like went back and realized, oh yeah, we played with them forever ago. Um, but like at a coffee shop in Tulsa, I mean, it was like 12 people there or something back, <laughs> like those like dozen people shows that we'd play in all right. the time. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, but I mean, they got, and, and they toured all the time. I mean, they worked their asses they off did. for sure. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think it was a lack of effort. And I think it was just like, I think they did fine. I'm sure they were, you know. But I just, I wonder if they were like, you know, touring with Rejects, Blink-182, uh, just like tons of huge bands. You got to be wondering if they were kind of like, man, what is like, when's it going to happen When's it going to happen to, you know, <laughs> I just, and I feel like they had all the right things. Um, right. Well, it's uh, just like that bottle lightning thing, man. Like, you don't know yeah. what's going to, like, even the biggest bands probably were like, holy shit, I can't believe this happened to us. Yeah. Because no. it's just like, you don't know what it is. It's just like the secret sauce. Yeah, and and I think there is a timing thing too. Like Blink One Eight Two benefited huge from timing, you know, right. for sure. And I think that they didn't have any idea how big that Enema of the State record was going to be when they were making it. I think that the, um, you know, they just I don't think they had any idea like that that was going to happen. That was kind of lightning in a bottle too. Well, yeah, and you just never know. Like, these guys are just <laughs> bullshit and making dick and fart jokes. I know. And then yeah, we're gonna propel you into the stratosphere. Like, yep. And they yet, would have never known. And you're right, 2005, man, that's a good year for good year for albums. Now that makes me want to go back and like think about all the other 2005 records. I'm I just did a quick search. Like before like you know, ahead of recording, I was like, I wonder what else was like coming out around that time. And so I only did like a couple months, but I'm like, man, I wonder what came on like in that last quarter of the year There's or something. something else that I can't think of that I know I really like from 2005, but now I'm trying to remember. I won't be able to remember right now, but ah, we'll look it up later. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Put it in the notes. Uh, for this album, though, man, like, I know, you know, we had the, obviously the singles, everything is all right. It's a big single from that, yep. from that album. Um, for you, what are what are kind of the songs that, you know, one thing I wanted to talk to you about, just because I knew you, how you felt about this album, what was maybe some of the songs that didn't get a lot of on this album that you're like, man, like, you guys should check this out. This is a hidden gem. Uh, You know, man, it is 
So the singles on it, I think, were Everything is All Right and LG Fouad was technically a single. Yeah. I don't know how they pulled that off. Uh, I don't remember. It's weird with singles back then. What I is guess LG they probably. Fouad? But they had like a video and stuff <laughs> that was on MTV too. So, and so I just don't remember seeing that video, I guess. I don't um, remember that either. I, I've, I've watched a lot of times when we were doing a podcast, I'll look, you know, rewatch all the videos and stuff just because it's been forever since I've maybe done them. I, it sounds weird to pick the opening track on the record, but like attractive today is such a good, like just album kickoff song. That are, you I just, the, are you the opening track guy on the show? Well, often. I can't remember if it is. You, you mean like, like, like you often like the, first I track. often like the first track a okay. lot. I often, I'm also the bridge guy. I love bridges. <laughs> that <laughs> so, kills me. So every, that's the other thing. I love bridges. Too, I do so too. I'm like, yes. And that's another thing, man. They they write great. Bridges. Uh, so I'm all about, I think probably the one that I think is um, like grows on you. Cause like, I think in 2005, I probably just wanted the rocking stuff for the most part. And so the slower songs on it, like together we'll ring in the new year or uh, what's the other slower one. Resolution is kind of slower. Not exactly, but um, those ones I feel like kind of grow on you, but I mean, really I, there's not, a. I mean, LG Fouad is like one of the better songs. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, and everything is okay is, or, or everything is all right is like a, uh, it's got to be, if you had to make a playlist of like the defining songs of the early 2000s, oh. to me that's on 100%. there with, you know, that's in a top 20. That freaking drum intro, everything, you yeah. can already know what's coming when that drum yeah, intro without is. Without a doubt, that would have to be in the in the top 20 of like, you know, with some heavy hitters like, you know, Fall Out Boy and Dashboard and, and For sure. all, all the good Jimmy World, that kind of stuff. I would have to say, for me, it would be Time Turn Fragile. That's a great um, one, too. I learned something about that song. Oh, what was it? Since we did our podcast. Um, they So it was two different songs up front. Really? So there was the uh, the front half of the song, and then they had this kind of two-minute thing that wasn't really quite a song, and I guess Mark was just like, put those put those together. You got a full <laughs> song. And that's what that's why it's Holy so shit. kind of, yeah, they kind of have that that drum thing that happens and it goes in that sort of B chorus like kind of thing, interlude thing. thing. Yeah. And it's because it was two completely separate songs and Mark was like, there you go. That's two, that's a song. Like there's that's your nuts. complete idea. So that's, that's the, that's the genius of a good producer in right. my opinion is yeah. that like, uh, I love production stuff. I'd studied production in school and stuff and I've always been fascinated by recording and, the, the best producers, in my opinion, what they really do is, like, instead of trying to put their own thumbprint on something, they just help, like, those bands go, no, wait, you've got, you've kind of got the right ideas here. It's just more, I don't know, it's more like a, uh, it's less like a director of a movie, in my opinion, because the director of the movie is in charge of everything that's happening. It's more like a, a consultant, if that right. makes sense, like the good ones. And I'm not saying there aren't good producers that all, like, are the engineers and stuff. But obviously Mark Hoppus is not an engineer. There's another engineer and a producer that are helping get the actual like perfect guitar tones and stuff. But he's the guy that can go like, oh, this needs that, or this is too busy, or this is too, these are two good song ideas that you can put together. And I think that that's like a harder quality to come by than like the the making the audio sound good part. And I Mark, Mark Hoppus obviously has that. He's been in a successful band for a long time and good at crafting songs and stuff. And so... Uh, I do wonder how much, like, like how hands on he was. How much, like, how much influence did he have on those kind of things on I this record? That too, yeah. When I saw that he produced, I was like, I wonder what his like thing was. You but know I think it's I mean? songs. I mean, which is, I think that's like what Rick Rubin does a ton of too. It's just like he's just a song guy. Like right. all he wants to do is help you like 
make that song the best version it can be. It's like, and if that's like that chorus doesn't work or that you need to come up with a better bridge or whatever, I mean, like, um, so, I mean, he obviously, that was the thing I learned about that song specifically is that it was two different things. And it's one of my favorite songs on the record too. That's cool. Yeah. Specifically because that back half of it, it's like, so it's just a, like an awesome sound and all the, the drummer of motion city soundtrack is so good. Yeah. And, uh, they're all really good. Well, there's a tight band. You guys talk really about tight. that too. It's just like, God, like. God, they're so, they're good. so good live. I don't know. Did you get to see them live? I didn't. Oh, dude. I'm bummed. I hope they I'm bummed. Yeah, they're you really should. If you if they ever do the whole reunion thing again, as everyone does. <laughs> Lord willing, they who's come the, to Tower. Who's the last <laughs> who's the last band you heard of that that like ended it and didn't get back together? Is there a band that's done that I from the early two thousands? I feel like they've all broken up, but then they do some sort of reunion. Yeah. Thing. A lot of people are like the ones coming back in like earlier this year. Uh, you saw like the format did something. I saw uh, that. Yeah. Did you see the shirts they had at the at the thing? No. What was it? So they, I guess they were they they did this show, but under the guise of that it was a a showing of the the concert DVD that they were releasing. Oh, okay. So everyone that showed up thought they were going to watch the concert DVD, and then they played a show. I would have shat. And they had T-shirts that said, I showed up for, like, whatever, the blah, 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 and all I got that was this lousy reunion show. That's amazing. <laughs> That's fucking crazy. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I would have loved to be at that. That would have been great. But I, so I think most people are doing, you know, not like they're making new albums necessarily, right. but at least doing a tour or something like that. Right, yeah. I loved his episode of uh, Pastor Frequencies too, Nate. From I've the not format. watched his yet. I've oh. been trying to catch up on those. But get your act together. It's Blake. so hard. I can't listen to podcasts <laughs> and work at the same time. I just get distracted, and his are even I'm worse because the they're video podcasts. So it's like I really get distracted because it's like there's. I did watch the, um, uh, the Gerard Way Gerard one, Way, yeah. which was great. And um, I need to. I've got the next one. In my cue is uh, Matt from. Uh, get up kids that's oh, yeah, the next yeah. one i'm gonna watch probably but yeah it's been fun he's had some good guests too i've been like trying to keep up with that yeah i think it's easy to be get good guests when you're jim atkins from jimmy world because like every band likes them that's like, a band's band that's a band's sure. band man yeah. every, i didn't know a single band back in the day that didn't love clarity well like, he started out with mark hoppus yeah i was like a, damn that's a heavy hitter out the gate that's a heavy hitter. <laughs> but they were huge fans of Jimmy Eat World, right. you know? So it's well, just who's funny. Not, who's though? not? That's what I'm saying. Every band loves Jimmy Eat World. And, uh, and they seem like, again, <sighs> never heard a bad thing about I know. any of those dudes. Not that I know any of these people. I just like, so good. you know, you'd normally hear the people that were kind of jerks or whatever. God, Blake. Okay, we're going to get stuck talking about Jimmy Eat World again. We'll try not to, okay? <laughs> to evolve into we'll the Jimmy try not to. Talk. Just like, just make that thing known if Blake's on. That's At our, some point, we're going to talk about the Jimmy whole World. reason we're doing we've done podcasts is like our goal <laughs> is just to get Jimmy World on our podcast at some point. God. So we'll see if we can swing it. Good, so good. Okay, so obviously the singles we're talking about the hidden gems. Yeah, singles are good. Is there? I mean, you talked about the the hangman. Hangman is probably like the one that's it's just, just like kind of like the meh. It just feels out of place. I've to never me. thought about really like the bad song on this record yeah. but if i had to choose one to never listen to i feel like most records have one right i feel like you're you're lucky if you only have one right. you're really good if you only have one there were a lot of <laughs> albums that came out back then that the first two tracks were great and the rest of it was crap you know that was i felt like that was a uh sometimes a common militia group problem that label specifically 
had, which I love a lot of bands on that record, but there were a lot of people on that label that like first two tracks were always off. Every Militia Group album had the first two out. The first two tracks were bangers. And then sometimes it fell off after that. Not all the time. There were some really great records, but there were some that it was like, all right, these are the hits and the rest of this is going downhill quick. It's all filler. Yeah. I'm going to feel bad when we get to some of those records. We, I, I think we're going to... It's gonna be a long time before we run out of uh, good records and have to was, go to the bad ones. I keep thinking every time you guys put out an episode, I'm like, man, you're gonna you're gonna do all the good ones up front. Or we're trying not to. <laughs> <laughs> it's like with all the butt ones. It's hard. Uh, there's a lot of good albums that came out though, so yeah. it'll be it'll be good. That is funny. It makes me laugh every time. I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah, it'll it'll happen though. That we'll, we'll probably never do one that's just like us dogging on a record because who would want to listen to that? <laughs> but, Man, yeah, he's just dunking on it the whole time. Yeah, I'm not, you know, I don't think. What do you hate about this song? Yeah, that would be fun. <laughs> We're not mean God. people. I know, yeah. No, that'd be all right, man. But I do think that sometimes I'm like, I don't use all the good ones up first. Yeah, it's it's a struggle because obviously <laughs> I want to just do all of my favorite records oh, right away. Tough, but yeah. like, I don't want to, I want to have something to look forward to. <laughs> so we've already done like two or two that I either didn't like or hadn't really listened to before we did the podcast. So, but we're normally like, we've not done anything where more than, we always have two of us out of the three of us love a record. Right. Like we've not done one that at least two people didn't love. Wow. Well, just give it some time. Yeah, we will. No, it'll happen. <laughs> it'll happen for that's sure. Okay. Oh man, that's too good. <laughs> um, no, one thing I did want to talk about, you guys kind of mentioned this too, whenever you do episodes. Um, is this one you can go back and listen to still? And I really yeah, do think it is, man. I do. It's I, good. I think that there is more, um, a lot of that music held up better than I, I think that it, it, maybe it's just nostalgia. So it's, it's a little hard to under, like, it's hard to know if I'm biased because that was my music, you know, quote unquote. Right. Or if it really holds up the way it does. But like, I know it's weird because we don't have like a classic rock version of like, you know, we've got a classic rock station, so, like, the stuff that actually lasted from the 70s or whatever, like, gets played 20 years later. And that's what I was listening to when I was, like, a kid in the 90s was, like, the stuff that, like, stood the test of time from the 70s or whatever. Right. You know, radio is not really as much of a thing, especially with these kind of bands. So, but I I feel like I hear these songs at restaurants, you know? Does that make sense? Like, Right. Like, you're out and about or something. Out and about, and yeah. I hear them at restaurants, and I feel like that's, like... I feel like this genre stood up better than a lot of people. And this genre is so stupid, too, because it's like no one claimed to be an emo band. It just became this, like, label for everything. But really, there's nothing that connects Motion City Soundtrack to Dashboard Confessional to Say Anything, in my opinion. Like, there's those bands are so different that it's really hard to be like, oh, this is a one genre. Right. Like, that's what a lot of people did in the early 2000s. But, yeah, this album absolutely holds up. Oh, I yeah. mean... And I don't think it's because there are albums from back then that I loved that now I listen to and I'm like either like I either wore it out back then or it just doesn't just doesn't hold up as well. You know, there's it happens, you know, that you can love something in the moment and it not last forever. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, the freaking synth was hot. Like the freaking yeah. that was Motion City's thing. And uh-huh. there's another band I started listen to, listening to, you know, I had known this album, listened to it since I've, you know, started since I heard it in 2005. And I start hearing other bands, and one band, Sherwood, I don't know if you can Oh, I love Sherwood, yeah. And I think, I like, those guys are like brothers to me. I that, never thought bands. about that, but yeah, they are kind of similar. They have some uh, similar 
parallels and for if, sure. And if the uh, if you ever see the, I don't know if you ever caught them live, but they're freaking. Oh yeah, they're the guy in the synth was yeah. insane. Yeah, no, I I I kind of forgot that like they did the synth thing too. They were like the cleaner California version right. of. <laughs> they were. I mean, yeah. they were kind of like they had more clean tone kind of thing than the than the rockier tones and. Uh, but yeah, no, Sherwood was a great band. Yeah, yeah, they were, they were, uh, they were awesome. We, uh, we had. <laughs> it's really funny. Their singer. So, do you know Nate Schoenfeld, the uh, guy that? Okay, so anyway, our friend Nate, and their singer's name Nate, and they look exactly alike. And we were like at the conservatory one time. We we're like, dude, you guys have to meet each other. Oh my god, <laughs> that's hilarious! Both, it was so funny because like <laughs> you're both Nate and you both kind of look alike, and it's it's anyway. That's well, just kind of my weird. I was thinking of that. I think it was with Motion City that. I think the guitarist, his name is Josh Kane. I think so. I and know it's my, Josh. One of my really good friends, is his name is Josh Kane. That's funny. I was like, dude, what the fuck? He's in the band. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, You yeah. didn't know. Hey, he, was, hey, uh, uh, he was holding out on you. Put in a word with uh, Justin for me, will you? No, I think that, um, <laughs> yeah, Sherwood, was, that was a good band. Yeah, the synth thing is a weird thing. I did not like synthesizers at one point. I hated them. Really? And I don't know why. Um, because now I like love them. <laughs> like grew on you. I guess I think I at one point I hated '80s stuff because it was all synthesizers. Oh yeah, and it drove me crazy. Right, and then eventually, like I I grew to like appreciate the stuff. But yeah, this Motion City is one of those bands that kind of went okay. This synth this synth things isn't isn't so bad. Um, and Reggie and the Full Effects probably another one. Right, and then. I forgot about Sherwood. You're right. They had the synth kind of thing going on sometime. Although he did more organy stuff. Yeah, it was always most more of the like time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so there were a few bands that kind of, and now I'm like, like super into it. Like I love, um, especially because I realize how freaking hard it is <laughs> to do like real synthesizers. Like it's the the knowledge that you have to know to like all those knobs and wires and buttons and stuff uh, is bananas. Yeah, I, for sure. I took yeah. like one little class on synthesizers. Like, oh, this is much harder than I thought it was. <laughs> so maybe it's more of an appreciation thing than anything. I need, I need to look up one. I think that album that I'm thinking of, it's a different a different light by Sherwood. Yeah, I think I that think was about the, 07 maybe. That was their full length, right? They had so they had a summer EP, I think. Yeah, it was 2007. Yeah, and then they had a their second full length album. Now I've got to look at those. Yeah, um, it's that iconic cover. Man. Yep, that's a good one. You um, can't see it at home, but you can look it up. Their my favorite of theirs is, and I've got to look it up now because uh, I do have to remember what it's called. Actually, okay, so they have the um, oh crap, it's just going to show me. Oh, see discography. That's what you have to do. Um, <laughs> I'm just I'm new to Spotify, guys. Uh, the Sherwood EP from 2004 is fantastic. Yeah, and the summer EP is all. I think those are my two favorite thing they did. Um, Dude, don't sleep on a different light. Though. No, 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 I'm not. But actually, there's something about <laughs> there's something about the production on the those first EPs that is like lesser than, but it's almost like they were more comfortable. Because to me, there's parts of a different light that are like too perfect, and they kind of lost a little bit of the magic maybe okay. that was there. It's not because there's one like if you listen to, um, there is a song on a different light. Well, hold on, I gotta figure out what it is now so that you can remember. Uh, let's see. Um, do, 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 do. No, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's not on a different light. There. No, it is. I'm asking her to stay. Is what it is. The last track on a different light is on the summer EP. Oh, okay. And I like the version on the summer EP better, <sighs> but I don't think it's just because I heard it first. Right. It's not like a demoitis kind of thing. I think it has a different like. It feels like they captured something in the studio that time. Yeah. So it's not like it's worse. It's still a great right. album. And I love that band. They were very nice dudes yeah. and always great live and, uh, and yeah, high energy for yeah. sure. 
Dude, okay, I know we said we we're gonna not talk about Jimmy. <laughs> That's all right. Hey, this is but, you. It's your podcast. You can do whatever the <laughs> hell you want. Okay. I was just talking to a friend at work about we have like this ongoing debate. Um, couple playlists we were always playing like at work or whatever. Yeah. And he, one of his playlists has the demo version of Sweetness on it. Right. And he's like, oh, what do you know? It's the superior version of this song. And I'm like, is it? Because the band chose a different version to put on their album. If this, if this, if this version's so good, why didn't it appear on the album? You know, it's like a, it's like a funny thing that we're always butting heads. Yeah. I, I that version is good. Uh, there are a couple things I really like about it and they're, they, they still do those things live. So I think I don't think it was so much that they were like, "Oh, we don't like this." I think it was probably Trombino going like, "Hey, but you got to do it this way because right. it's going to be a huge single if you do it this way." And they were like, "You're right," you know. <laughs> and so, um, you know, the odd the quality of what's on Bleed American is better for sure. Like the recording quality is better. There is some of that magic though that's in that original some of the, version. Some of the, the magic. Yeah, dust. there's something that you can't. Um, that just happens, which is what what's awesome about recording now, and this just wasn't the case in 1999 when people were recording the tape, is that, like, you used to have demos, and then you'd go record everything in the studio. And normally it was, there was no overlap there because it was not possible. You were doing your demo on, like, a Tascam four-track tape thing, and then you're doing the album on real tape. Well, now it's, like, with Pro Tools and Logic and stuff, the demos basically evolve to be the real things now. So you can literally keep that magic or whatever and then add to it or get better sounds and stuff. So I think that's how most people are doing stuff now. I don't think there are, you don't hear demos of right. new albums now because the the tracks, you know, are generally, you know, most of these bands have access to like a home studio or something that's legitimate enough that you can get some pretty decent stuff up front. So like Jimmy World doesn't have demos anymore. The demos are what you end up hearing on the record. Right. Like it's some... There's something on there that's the original thing from from back before. So where Jim has them all on his computer at home now. <laughs> yeah, and they've got a pretty cool like they've got a pretty cool little studio up, rehearsal yeah. space set up, and so he they're just always in there making stuff. I'm sure, and that yeah. like eventually that hard drive gets taken to a real studio to do the legit, you know, whatever the drums or whatever right. they're doing vocals. And stuff. They uh, so Jim just had uh, Mike from American Football on. <gasps> I haven't seen that one either. It's so good. I won't. Okay. I don't want to ruin it, but. There was one part that Mike talked about where he said, it just kind of blows my mind because I don't know, in a lot of ways with like uh, these bands, I don't know if it's just because of like how, like the time that I found them and then it's like, they're so big. They're such a big part of my life Yeah, that I almost put them like on this pedestal or something. Yeah. But Mike oh, is yeah, talking about when he's like putting his, like making the song. He's like, yeah, I just, I have GarageBand on my phone and I just kind of like record on my phone. And that's how we do pretty much a lot of like our tracking and yeah. stuff. And I'm like, a lot of demo stuff, yeah. dude. Like, what? You're ruining the magic for it, Mike. Okay, American Football. <laughs> did you? Were you into them in the 2000s and stuff? No, I didn't know. Me about neither. Them. I didn't know about them either. Yeah, I never heard of that band until their album came out. Whatever. When did the second one come out? 2016. Yeah, it was a long time coming, baby. And I was like, <laughs> this is so good. And I don't know how I had never heard of that band because they're consistently in everyone's like top 20 emo albums ever. And I was like, I don't understand how, I mean, it came out in 1999, which right. to be fair is like, and then they didn't come out with anything else for 17 years. <laughs> so maybe that's why. Um, but it does kind of shock me that like they're on all these lists. And I was like, well, I just totally missed that. I don't feel like, I feel like I was pretty plugged into what music was popular then. And right. maybe I just, that got skipped over. I think they were another kind of bands band though. Yeah. See, that was one I didn't, 
like when they first like 1999 i didn't no. I, I wasn't listening to never it. heard of them yeah but it was around the time that i was getting into like um things like uh, of that ilk so like chicago based like midwest emo there were shit. a lot of chicago based so bands yeah in there like i was that starting time. that's when i was starting to like really deep dive into like finding this genre and like what do i like about these bands yeah and i came across them and i remember thinking like these guys are pretty good but never really like being i literally know, these are my guys no, i literally never heard of them yeah until so, that, but yeah. that's been such a common thing that i'm like oh wow like i didn't realize I like i didn't like they're, they're so you know widely lauded now i know like, that's crazy and i they just came on my like spotify discovery playlist when that 2016 album came out and i was like this is amazing right and then i go back and listen to the first one love it and the third one's great too they, yeah they've got a really specific sound oh yeah like it's yeah and he's got what his other side project what was it called captain jazz uh, or, no. uh owen owen yeah. yeah which sounds pretty much like american football yeah. i mean um and so i've listened to a lot of that too because it's like i kind of like when you find a band that you didn't know about Me and you too. get to go through the whole back yeah, catalog like, all right man that's what i'm great. doing right you know yeah, what i mean I it's like shit. a new album without having to wait for a new album to yeah. come out um it doesn't happen very often though that, that i discover a band and they've got a back catalog normally it's uh it's just not the case they've got one album like that's just that's all i got like, for a while till they come yeah. out with the next one you know <laughs> that is funny though i always think about the like how long it was between albums for them I'm yeah like, i mean i guess they just like broke up and what happened and didn't make another album for 17 years life got in the way i guess so yeah but yeah very talented they're they're great okay so i did want to talk about we talked about them being on epitaph motion yep. city and it just got me thinking like man there were some bands on epitaph and so um, just quick, uh, crappy Wikipedia research on Epitaph. Oh, we're the, we're great at bad <laughs> Wikipedia uh, research. Started in 1980. Um, it's the Brad Brad Gerwitz of Bad Religion started the label. It became known for signing like pop, uh, punk, pop punk, post hardcore, and emo bands. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I had, to, I had like a a short list, and you could throw some in of like artists that were on the on the album and, and or on the on the label, and I just wanted to kind of get your like quick just like knee-jerk reaction to these bands like what your experience is with these with these guys so epitaph was one of those out one of those la- i feel like labels back were a little bit like um a lot of them really had kind of a thing that they did right and it was like that was their lane and they didn't stray from it and i almost feel like motion city doesn't fit with almost all the other bands that are on that the um, like i feel like they're way kind of popular they're kind of an outlier on yeah. it um and uh, so oddly enough, most of the bands on Epitaph that I'm looking at, like I was not a huge, I'm way, I'm more of a pop guy. Like okay. I'm definitely more. So you're not like a Seosin, like that wasn't really. I, you know, they, they're one of those bands. I saw them live with someone. I want to say they were opening for, I think they played the show that I saw with Dashboard Confessional and Weezer. I think Seosin opened for that. Nice bill. That's a good, I think it was Seosin for that one. That might've been. I'm pretty sure it was Sayosin. Um, They're like one of those bands that like I see live and I'm like, man, these guys are awesome. But I didn't really like to listen to the record. You're like, I'm not going to go. Like these guys are sick live, but I'm not going to go like check them there out. There were a lot like, of bands like that, that 
back then. Right. They were just like really talented, but just not quite in my, and we talk about this all the time on our podcast. It's like, dude, I had to buy those records back then. Like there was, oh, you know, it's like now, like this is an investment dude with Spotify or Apple music or whatever you got now. It's like, I can check out any album that anyone sends me. Like it's, it costs me nothing. And if I like it, awesome. I can add it to my library. And if I really like it, I can buy the vinyl or whatever. Like, that's great. Back then it was like, you either had to like have a friend that had it, let you burn it. Or like, I hated Napster and all that crap because it always just sounded terrible. Right. It wasn't, it was partially a moral thing. And it was partially like, this always sounds terrible and I need good audio quality. I hate bad MP3s. But <laughs> so yeah, to check out a band, man, it was like, you know, I did the music trading thing a ton. Like, oh, you need to check this out. Or they'd be like, oh, you need to check this out. I have a few friends that are very reliable. Kyle is one of them that I do the podcast with. I Kyle, love that. If Kyle tells me to check out a band, like it's almost never wrong, especially because not only does he like it, but he's also, he knows what I like. So he's just good about He's crafting it to you. Yeah. Like he and Chris will be like, you probably wouldn't like it. And that's fine. Like they know me, like we've known each other for a long time. So what's funny is that most of these bands were not my, uh, not in my total wheelhouse. I did like Thrice quite a bit. Okay. Uh, yeah, I had Thrice is really good. I think they're super talented. Um, but even with them, I like their, I like when they chilled out a little bit, the more mellow shit. I like their, their mellow stuff. I think they're really good at it. I think it's one of those things that a lot of times bands get stuck in like a, Oh, we're this or whatever. We have to, everything has to to be hardcore. Yeah. Yeah. And like they chilled out a little bit and we're like, Oh wow. You guys are really, really good at writing songs that are like beautiful. You know, it's like, that's not what. I think, and there's a lot of bands from back then that kind of went that route. And I just feel like, but it is weird. Like Motion City sounds, it's kind of the weird. They are an outlier. I've never thought about that, but. Even though their lyrics are, are a bummer. super bummer, but their music is not. If and you so, didn't listen, if we, or if you didn't ever look up or like know what they were saying, you wouldn't know that how much of a bummer like a lot of their songs were. That's pretty true. Uh, although I will say the one that did get, uh. I think I just saw, are the Menzingers on? I think they were. I think, yeah. So, yeah, they are. That, I, that's a band that Chris and Kyle turned me on to that I'm like, yeah, they're awesome. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, you should definitely, if you haven't checked them I out, checked you should. Out. They're really good. I want to be that friend. You have to be that friend for someone where you're like, they are on point with their suggestions. Oh, and I love the weaker bands. So that is the other outlier. Oh, were they an Epitaph? Yeah, apparently. Nice. Let's see which album. As per the wiki. I'm on Epitaph's out. Uh, Oh, it's it's just one LP, so it wasn't. Oh, okay. It's a it's the live one, so it doesn't look like it was. That their, don't count. Um, that doesn't. <laughs> that, oh no 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 no. Sorry, they did. They did the. I guess they did all of them. It looks like they oh. did reconstruction site, left Shit. and leaving. Yeah, I love the weaker dance. They're fantastic. And uh, talk about a sad, sad, sad band. <laughs> There's, you cannot. That's not a Windows down driving. <laughs> Album. Like, you're already sad and you want to be more sad. No, it's all like you've got a you're like it's rainy day, <laughs> sad. Weaker things are kind of uh they're very much in the same vein as um as American football, in my opinion. Just the Canadian version. Right. I think they're <laughs> not the non Chicago version. You'd be so sad if you're Canadian. Come I I don't know, it's cold up there. Hey. It gets real cold <laughs> for half the year. Uh, so. are you an alkaline trio guy or no? Uh, another one of those bands that like I like, but I just never listened to that, that much. The and same, loved. like uh, that guy, the same guy I was telling you about that I work with. Yeah, I have the uh, the uh, sweetness qualms with. He's like a big alkaline trio guy, and he's quite a bit older than me. So I'm wondering if that's like he's 37. 
So I'm I, like, I think it's partially. I don't know um, if that just like wasn't in my. I don't love his voice. Okay. And I, I kind of like once I don't love someone's voice, I just can't. And Doesn't he was, matter. He was Hot Water Music too, right? Was that the same guy? I think so. Okay. Don't quote me on that. that. I'm gonna be wrong. No, I didn't. I was like I said, I was way more into the pop. I was. I'm. I'm like I tend to. Um, yeah, kind of way on that side. Poppier. Well, Newfound Glory was on Epitaph at one time. What what label? I mean, what album was on Epitaph for Newfound Glory? Let me look it up. I had them. They were on the former list. Yeah, that's definitely. Let's check it out. More in my up my alley for sure. <laughs> that's you know, uh, of your ilk. Yeah, for sure. That's that's my <laughs> lane. Um, I love a good melody, which is so funny when on our podcast we talk about lyrics. Like I'm just not. I do not notice lyrics most of the time because which is funny because you're the. Were you the? Did you write most of your songs? For the uh. Music? For your music? Well, for my, yeah, I mean, I do on my stuff and Kyle writes and Chris writes yeah, and stuff like that. I guess stuff, obviously, right? I didn't write Minutes Too Far. Uh, Chris and Danny wrote all the songs. Okay. So, but it's just funny. Like, they'll bring up a lyric. And I'll be like, I never noticed it said that. I'm like, oh, the <laughs> album's 20 They're years like, old. I never, it's my favorite album. I never <laughs> noticed that's what it said. Um, I mean, I do, I love good lyrics. I'm not saying I don't care about them. It's just not the first thing that grabs me. So. All right. Oh, man. Okay. I found a little handy chart and it oh, says okay. the album and the label right under like in a big list oh even better let's find the epitaph they're kind of all over the place not yep. without a fight radio surgery was on epitaph i think epitaph really knew what they were like i think they, it was just those two they knew what they were doing though like they were a good yeah. label um I f and i it's just funny like epitaph had a thing i feel like vagrant had a style and i feel like militia group had a style and i feel like to the nail had a style i feel like they all had you know, and most people wouldn't say that there are humongous differences between the bands that are on those labels, but there was Victory certainly had a. Oh wow! Dude, I'll, we, it's a name I haven't heard in a long time. I know, man. So we did um, <laughs> the the funniest Victory story was that like we they uh, we were like talking to them. Our band was talking to them at one point, and we thought it was so weird because we were like every band on that album on that label is like not like poppy at all. Right. Like none of them were. And we, and I th they had specifically, I was in a record store and they had like a poster or something like that with all the victory okay. albums on it. And they're all like dark muted colors. I was, yeah, I was like, I was going to look up cause it was like, a, it was like, uh, was it like post hardcore? Like, yeah, I mean, I think like screamo type shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was all like, I mean, I think, uh, wasn't taking back Sunday on victory and I mean, there's a bunch of stuff like that. I and thought that uh, Hawthorne was on Victory. Yeah, they were. I'm okay. pretty sure. Okay, so it's all stuff like that. And then, like, I don't know if... So our EP at the time was, like, this rainbow-colored, <laughs> like, <br> super <laughs> bright, like... And and I was just picturing that, like, in that in that mosaic of... And I was just like, I don't understand. <laughs> I don't think this is going to work <laughs> out. Like, but well, we'll go talk to oh, them, I guess. Bayside was on Victory. Yeah. Uh, who else? They got Amber Pacific. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, between the buried and me, so there's kind of that that ilk. Yeah, you can definitely feel the. Yeah. And I just thought that was always so funny, and I just feel like most labels kind of figured out what they could do well. And there were a lot of people that bought like there were fans of labels back then, and they would like buy whatever oh, yeah. came out on that record. And they label. had the samplers or whatever. Oh like, yeah, I dude, would get those, the uh, Fueled by Ramen ones. Those like summer samplers that they like, give you. Yeah, Fueled by Ramen was another that one. Was that was my shit. Yeah, Fuel by Ramen was a great record label. They had uh, they had some they they launched some stuff. I know. I remember they had Phantom Planet early on. I'm a big fan of Phantom Planet. Yeah, obviously Fallout Boy was probably their their that's flagship. A, uh, that's a big one. <laughs> that's a pretty good. Whoever whoever made that decision and Paramore. I remember. 
Oh yeah, Paramore was yeah, filled by Ramen. Ramen. God, Paramore is one of my favorites. Really, I love Paramore. I can't wait to hear a Paramore record. Yeah, on we your... haven't done one yet, and I've been. I think we will do. I don't know. It's same thing. It's like you don't want to blow. <laughs> it's I like, know. <laughs> but no, they are they're one of my all time favorites. I took my that was her first con, uh, her first concert was was Paramore when she oh, was really five. That's so cool. She loved it, so it's pretty great. Yeah, it'd be cool for her much to see cooler it. than my first concert, which was certainly not when I was five. What? What was your first concert? I don't know. It wasn't Paramore though. Oh, I mean, okay. it wasn't just saying it was like something. It was like Cat Fest, nineteen ninety eight or something. I think I saw Reliant K. That's a good band too. Was my first, yeah. That's when I was a. Uh, I grew up in the church, you know. So it was like, yeah, those are my guys. Yeah, I, I, well, I mean, I, yeah, I had some concerts when I was a little kid and stuff like that. But the first like band I probably went and saw was like, I think it might have been like Stone Temple. Pilots or something. Wow, which that's a good band. That's a damn good first concert. But it was like Cat Fest, and everyone else was crap. Oh, right on. You yeah. know, back in the day uh, at All Sports Stadium, I was <laughs> at the State Fairground. You know where the eighty ers <laughs> played. Uh, yeah, that was probably one of the earlier ones I went to. So it certainly wasn't. Uh, well, that, that's a good band, though. I guess I can't. I'm not going to dog on Stone Temple Pilots. But. I was trying to. Uh, I think there was something. If I remembered that, I was looking at the thing right. I meant to pull it for whenever I was talking about the other albums that came on 05, but I think Limp Biscuit dropped an album in 05. Probably did. We've we've mentioned <laughs> Limp Biscuit. Here's the nature the nature of doing a podcast about 2000s music is that there was a lot of really bad music in the 2000s too cuz that whole rap rock thing was still like kind of dying out. And it's like I had forgotten that those bands existed, but like something comes up on every episode where we accidentally mention Limp Biscuit or or Nickelback or Creed <laughs> or someone. And it's just because I forgot there was like quite an overlap of those genres at the time. And you just forget that like TRL was literally like Blink Way 2 and then Limp Biscuit right. and like Backstreet Boys. It was just a weird time for pop music. That is very strange. I've never like, thought think about, about that. that. Like that's not, I don't the think. amalgamation it, of styles. Like. Dude, and it's not even like grunge and pop in the 90s. Cause like that was even a little bit more of like, okay, well this is like the R&B and rap and stuff is kind of one thing, but it's like, dude, early 2000s was all over the place. A potpourri of music. Definitely. And, and probably not a ton of overlap in fandom between <laughs> some of those. God. Very casual fandom if you like Limp Biscuit and 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 Britney Spears at the same right. time, but you know that what I, I can't believe the rap rock thing happened. Honestly, I know. that's looking like, back, you're just like, what? The it's fuck like, were we thinking? To me, it's like disco. To me, it's like it's something that happened and then it like just died. There's no remnants of it. There's no like, <laughs> it didn't spawn some other genre. It just like it came and it went. This was and it a died thing that happened, and it we buried it, and it should never happen again. <laughs> God. It was so bad. I'm. I can't believe that we and seven string guitars. Ugh. Uh, Ibanez was cashing out, baby. Yeah, they were making all the money on the seven string guitars <laughs> at Guitar Center. Man, I worked at Guitar Center in 2005 too. Did you really? By the way, and so uh, got your got your share of kids coming in and playing. You know, whatever bad song they barely knew the riff to. <laughs> Let me tune this on to drop a seven. C. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're gonna drop this down to C flat. <laughs> Like, dude, there's no way that thing is intonated for drop C flat. What strings are on that, my guy? You might <laughs> have to like, check this out. You just pick up a bass instead. That might be a better. Uh, you might better get a better sound quality out of that. Oh, but, oh gosh, what a that was. Those were there were some bad. There were some bad bands in the early 2000s too. I think we're remembering the sunny 
remembering the good stuff. Right. But, but that's every genre. That's every decade. That's every... Right. There's never... Uh, but I do feel like on the timeless thing, kind of going back to that, I do feel like a lot spawned out of... And there's a lot of bands that are still making awesome music. So like, you know, and to me that speaks to the longevity of some of that stuff. It's like that there were bands that certainly made one album and then never really did anything again. Like, I, I don't know. Like did, did Hawthorne Heights make more than two albums? I don't know. <laughs> uh, they had one album after silence and black had the saying, sorry, that that was the big single, but I don't think they were, you know what I mean? Like that's yeah. not going to last forever. That was kind of the, they the, rode the silence and black and white to their, and to, all the way to the bank yeah, though. And I hated all the screaming stuff. I just didn't, I didn't, I know it was super popular, <laughs> But I got my fill of that because every band we played with every night across oh this country was screaming, God. and we were getting up there and singing, you know, pop rock, you know, kind of stuff. And I just I never got into screaming. Every I like local oh, screamo band opening. Oh my gosh, I like a little bit. Just you know, I'm like the used Taking Back Sunday. Those are kind of my comfort zone. A hint of scream. And even used has a couple tracks where I'm like, yeah, we're doing, we're gonna record our used episode tomorrow night. Uh, oh <laughs> my so, god. And uh, there's just a couple tracks where I'm just like, I can't do it, guys. I couldn't do it then. I still can't do it now. I just, I don't like it. And so there was a lot of that that was definitely flashing the pan, and I don't think it, it lasted much longer than that. But everyone else, so it's like Jimmy World's still making great records. Right. Uh, Motion City Soundtrack's not making records, although they came out with a single. But, like, Justin's solo album is really good. Right. Um, and similar, but, like, different enough that it's its own thing. And I just feel like most of those bands evolved into something cool that, like, that, but that initial thing is still there instead of like having to completely change. Like, you know, Limp Biscuit will not make a reunion album because it wouldn't. Don't, <laughs> it's just not going to. Don't gonna... speak that into existence, please, Blake. Or maybe it's just what 2020 needs, you know? <laughs> the cherry on top of 2020. 20, uh, look, nothing would surprise me at this point in 2020. It, like, Limp Biscuit releases a surprise album, Taylor Swift style, Ugh. next week. That would be. That really would be the cherry on top if of 2020. Happens, they're going to be beating down your door like, why did you do this to us, Blake? That or like Nickelback does a cover of like, I don't know, a Beatles song or something. I don't know. Just like there's going to be something else that's going <laughs> to, someone's going to drop a secret album here because no one's had anything to do but do music this year. Oh, yeah. It's kind of like the old, the old quarantine. The old quarantine, the lockdown sessions, but like we're going to get a stinker here. And maybe it's going to be one of those rap rock bands from the early 2000s going to do a reunion. Averages. It's yeah. got to happen. It's bound to happen. averages. I mean, there already are stinkers out there, but there's uh, there's probably going to be a big one. Uh, that would be fun. God. Let's st- let's just spread the rumor that it's going to happen anyway. Okay? Confirmed. Confirmed. Big if true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be so good, though. But it's just, yeah, that'd be 2020. That would be, man. That'd be solid. Well, Blake, I appreciate you stopping by, man. Why don't you tell people where they can... Uh, keep up with Finding Emo, find, uh, you know, when you guys release episodes, all that good stuff. So we release them every other Tuesday uh, for right now. Maybe we'll do more in the future. Um, and so uh, Finding Emo Pod is kind of the, that's the website, that's the Facebook, that's now the Twitter. We had a, we were suspended for like five hey, months on Twitter. It. it was nuts. <laughs> Uh, we created an account, didn't tweet because we didn't have the, but we were just recording episodes and they just suspended us and they would not reply to my tickets for five months. And then the day after we switched to a different backup Twitter account, they unsuspended it. <laughs> I think I literally text you that day <laughs> yes, too. you did. And you're like, God damn it. Oh, I was so mad. And Don't so, follow that one. Anyway, Finding Emo Pod is all the things. And, you know, we were talking before we started recording about like, I'm all for, you know, Tell me when I'm wrong about stuff. Like we have people fact checking us and we have people going like, 
you're wrong. That album's awesome. Or that song's great. Or here's, so it's been fun. Like I've actually learned a lot about some of these albums that people knew from some other way. So uh, Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff's fun ways to, uh, you know, tell us we're wrong or tell us we're right. You can also tell us we're right. That's fine. We'll, right. We'll, we'll, you can heap praise upon us as well, but <laughs> we're having fun. We just go track by track uh, on these albums that we love from the early 2000s, uh, mostly in that kind of emo genre. And, uh, and so it's just fun. We kind of, you know, we're all kind of, we were in bands back then. We all um, our songwriters and like, I'm a production guy. Chris is a drummer. Kyle's a bassist. So we all have these different perspectives and it's fun to hear when we line up on what songs we liked, which ones we didn't. Uh, Chris likes to call a song a crap sandwich on every episode, <laughs> uh, just to keep the, the bands honest. And so, yeah, we are, we are 13 episodes in and it's been a lot of fun. And we, you know, it's like, this is what we do if we didn't have microphones in front of us anyway. So we were like, let's just do this and record this thing. Yeah, man, that's all, all of it. We, you know, big big emo fans on uh, my show. We've done a lot of emo episodes. Um, you did an emo tournament. We did an emo I mean, that's tournament. That was a lot as of real fun. as it gets. I saw a different bracket for an emo tournament that someone sent me in a Twitter thing, going like, "Who do you think would be at the top? Who were your last two? Our last two? Yeah, like who were who were the what was the finals? Okay, for the emo bracket. Do this you remember? Was big, a big point of contention. Okay, so don't judge me. I won't. It was Death Cab for Cutie and Paramore. Okay, I I. I'd have to go back and look at your bracket. I said that there'd be no way that the top of that bracket isn't. I th- I knew I said Dashboard would be one of them, and Jimmy World would have to be the other one. Paramore just barely beat out Dashboard. Yeah. I'll, I'll I'll tell you how we like kind of split it up. That's fine. Yeah. Play. No, I mean I don't think you can be wrong about these right. things yeah. anyway. I just thought that uh, in my because re- someone tweeted me and asked me that, and I said the reason why I think it's those two is because uh, there there's not a band in that bracket that wasn't influenced by Jimmy World. That was my that was my That's sort of reasoning. like reasoning of it is that the, most of the other ones wouldn't exist. Where, where's the lie? It's kind of yeah. So, Jimmy Eat World walked so these guys could run. Exactly. Oh, That's God. a perfect way perfect way to put it. <laughs> which is why Jim Atkins gets everyone for his podcast <laughs> because they all look up to him. Exactly. Yeah. Oh man. Well, as always, guys, you can follow us on social media. That's Tunes Tunes Podcast. T U N E S slash T O O N S. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you find your podcast. Again, Blake, thank you, sir. Of course. Bye-bye.